0: Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter, IPK Glue Guys.
1: Netsdaily.com. We're not happy with that one, flat, are you? Flat. Flat. Um, welcome back, Bri. Netsdaily. Almighty oh, baller podcast network. iTunes. Five-star reviews. We want them. We need them. I'm doing my mic impression. Thank you. Um, we also, are the Glue Guys. Also, enjoy the beautiful sounds of Superfluous Motor while you still can. Um, the, the new intro... Emails are coming in hot. the The intro wars are happening, as my dog is eating her
0: toy. I, <laughs> Brian, I encourage. By, by the way, Brian's interactions with my dog are one of the more enjoyable moments of my week every week. She I, loves him, and he
1: disdains her. I don't disdain her. I don't no, disdain you don't. her. Yeah, I, I like think you've Georgie. like her. um I yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with her. Oh yeah, you're real cool. <laughs> I don't here's what I don't do. This is dogs and babies. I don't do the gushing over the thing. I c I don't the babies have are tough because you kinda have to You have to. Here's the thing about that dogs, but you Here's why to. those things are similar, right? It's because really the performance is not for the dog or the baby, it's for the owner of the dog and the baby. Because <laughs> yeah. the baby doesn't care about the you. The baby doesn't care, the dog doesn't care. Well the dog does this dog cares about you. Yeah, I mean honestly I haven't I haven't really sent anything back. To the dog That's what, that, that's what this dog yeah. <laughs> it's, Oh, it's working for my affection That's yeah. what it is um, Anyways, hey, we got a nice show today, Mike Yes Talk, talk uh, to us about it
0: Coming up later will be Sarah Kustak from Yes Network The Ooh. lead analyst on Yes Network yeah. uh, The Nets have just won a big game in Detroit A big old win um, So we will talk about that back with to, her
1: Back-to-back back wins, Mike
0: I mean, D-Lo's how already he, coming back I mean, he's they're 2-0 since he's been back He's made a massive impact
1: Can't deny it Cannot be denied
0: I think he scored how many points total? Four Four for. Um but we'll talk to her about that. We'll talk to her about sort of the overview of the team so far this season. Um get her perspective cuz she's right there on the sidelines there in practice. She knows these guys probably better than most. So we'll get some of her perspective and we'll talk we have some listener emails which are also very excited about. You know what time it is? The
2: next are back.
1: Um, re
0: prize what the contest is for the intros. What do people need to do? It's
1: dead simple. Just whip up a new introduction for the show. We'll play them and we'll judge them and everyone will pick one. And if you do, if you send that in and yours is the winner, you're going to have your intro be at the top of the show. Plus, uh, Cherboy, Cherboys at Flatbush and Atlantic, Cherboy. Anyways, friends of the show, Flatbush and Atlantic are going to send you some kind of swag yet to be determined but it'll be dank fire of that. You can be assured.
0: So it's a pretty big deal. This is a prestigious competition.
1: It's prestigious. Everyone's it's hot. I just, here's what it is. It's like they're like, Brian, are you sure you want to do this? This is crazy. And I'm like, you don't you don't get me, dog. I, <laughs> I'm i a crazy guy. I'm a crazy guy. Like And I just love listener interaction. That's what it's all about. I just love to interact with the people out there. Well, let's interact with Sarah Kustak coming up and
0: then we'll get to listener emails after that. Nicely done. All right, so on the line right now, we're going to play a little game, Brian. Oh, Mike, I hate this already. This is Who Am I? Glue Guys edition. (laughs) This person, oh, Brian's face is so red. This person was a former captain of their college basketball team. Oh. This person once drove around Brent Musburger for a job. No kidding. (laughs) And I'm not exactly sure where this person is on the Who Am I standings, but they are definitely above Michael Grady. Ah, It is Sarah Sarah Kustak. Sarah, thank you for joining us today on the Glue Guys. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much for having me, but I have to say, embarrassingly so, as of last game, I'm at the bottom of who am I standing? Even crazy past me.
1: It's time to pair up. It's time to pair up with somebody. That's what it always happens, right?
3: I, yeah, I well, I had been lobbying to be paired with Grady ah. when I was at the top, and now as the season has gone, I had a real slow start the last season, and it steadily inclined, and now I'm on the decline, so I'm I'm hoping for a strong second half.
0: Well, and, and you know, we're all here pulling for you. I will say that the previous guests to the Glue Guys <laughs> podcast have been Ian Eagle, Jim Spinarkel, mm. Um, I'm trying to think who else is on top of the standings. I mean, I'll just say you're going to get a bump from being on the show. It's (laughs) it's just a thing that happens. I don't know what it
3: is. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'll take it. I need any help I can get.
0: Good. So now this team, I I don't know if you'd say they've received a bump from having D'Angelo Russell back, but since he's been back, they've won two games. Um, Last night you were there in Detroit. That game was incredible with Spencer Dinwiddie. Kenny Atkinson said sort of after the game about how they would not have won that game Earlier in the year, that they wouldn't have had the ability to win it. They wouldn't have. Do you agree with that? What's sort of different about this team from the start of the season till now?
3: This, watching this team down the stretch of games to me is special. And they have had the opportunity to be in this position on so many occasions. I think they're third, they're second or third in the NBA, having t- 21 games, I think it is decided by six or fewer points. And 10 of those have come in the last 12. So, Of course, we know that this team prides itself on playing hard, and they've had so many opportunities, whether they've pulled it out or fallen short in close games against top-level competition. But to me, I watch them, and there is a sense of just confidence and poise, a maturity for a team that really is very young when they're closing out games. And I think so often you look at different teams around the league and, you know, it's like, oh, here we go again when a game gets close or if they lose the league or pick up a league. I think with this team, it is the exact opposite of which they believe that they can win any game regardless of what the score is, what the time is. And I think that's a trickle-down effect from Kenny Atkinson, from his staff, how much they've instilled a confidence and a belief in this team if they play together, if they play unselfishly if they get the job done on the defensive end, um, that they can put themselves in position to win any game. And we have seen this out of the group on top of every individual player and collectively, I think really exceeding expectations of how they've come into the season and the level of play that they're at.
1: So backing off that they're in close games, they're winning some close games, losing some heartbreakers, the like emotional energy in the room must go up and down on a pretty nightly basis. What do you think is on the dry erase board right now in terms of the goal of the team for the rest of the season? Are they gunning for 500? Are they gunning for playoffs? What is the motivating goal here?
3: You know, this is just my perspective, so yeah. I'm not sure what's actually up on that dry erase board. <laughs> sure, sure. But I still think that they're. I still think they're looking at the playoffs. I still yeah. think. Um, And and we have heard a handful of different players say this in um, a variety of points throughout the season, but they said, that's our goal. And if we don't have that goal, if we're not striving towards that, then, you know, what are we out there for? And And I think to me, that's a player's mentality because, you know, I think Sean Marks has done a spectacular job in Slowly building this group, looking at the big picture of things. But as players and as coaching staff, often you're, you know, you want to make sure that every night you step on the floor, you have an opportunity to win. So I think with this group, they're well aware of how bunched up the, you know, five through 10, 11, 12 of the Eastern Conference standings are. And, you know, given the fact that they could inch their way, you know, gain a game, a gain game, game two games before the All-Star break, and then coming out of the All-Star break, you kind of see how things shake out. But I think with the fluidity of where that middle pack of the Eastern conferences, you know, anything can go. And I think this team believes that they've dropped games, that they could have won, and also now with guys like D'Angelo Russell coming back, um, you know, steady progression of Jalil Okafor, you've got a handful of players, you know, like Jared Allen, who is in his rookie year, so now he's gotten more experience. And as this team continues to mesh together, I, I absolutely believe that, you know, that, that is something that she, they should have at the forefront of their mind, at least working towards that.
1: Sure, how do you, uh, I mentioned, you mentioned uh, Jaleel for. have you gotten a sense for, for where the team is with him and his development? Uh, I've been kind of closely watching him and I can't quite get a sense for, you know, how they intend to deploy him going forward or, or just generally how they feel about him currently.
3: I, you know what? I think they're pleased with him. And I think they're still, I still think they're getting to know him and getting to know exactly how he fits and how they can use him. And, you know, I, I don't, as we've seen with this team, um, there really is a lot of depth. So I think on any given night, you know, it's a situation of you look at matchups, you look at personnel, you look at the team that they're playing against. But I think when it comes to Oak no one's, you know, it's not like they're necessarily expecting him to have huge numbers of course he had that seven point game at atlanta he's shown the ability that he can score but i think they just want to continue and we use the word and develop so much um but but i don't think that's just to say it i think that is a part of you know working on him and what i've noticed in the past couple of games despite the fact he hasn't um been scoring that much to me you could see that he is really thinking about making the pass. If he doesn't have a clear look at the basket or an opportunity to make a move and score on his own man, to me, there's a, a different feel from him. Uh, he's aware of where his teammates are on the court. He understands the concept of you get it inside, you know, you start to pull in the defense and look for your kickouts of your open teammates. And I think. He's dedicating himself to the defensive end of the floor. Uh, he's going after rebounds, so I, I think I think he's coming along. And and the coaching staff and Kenny Atkinson, they're, they're just kind of trying to figure out how exactly they can use him, what spots they can use him at. And I think it's going to be you know a situation where he may, as we've seen, play some crunch time minutes in the fourth quarter and give them you know a, a really solid presence. And there may be games that he's not playing as much, but I think that's a part of. You know what makes this team fun to continue to watch because there are different guys that can come in and play roles on any given night um and give you something that you may not always you know see and always expect out of them, but they they show you that they've got a lot of different tools to work with well, and
0: it's funny like the place we're at with this team where it was a couple seasons ago when they had no ball handlers, and now there's almost a glut of them <laughs> no. dilo back Lavert's Levert, a point guard essentially now and Dinwiddie is one of the biggest surprises in the NBA. Ultimately, when D'Lo is fully healthy, because obviously he's working his way back, how do you think all that will shake out in terms of the ball handling minutes and who will be controlling the ball between Dinwiddie, LaVert, and D'Angelo?
3: I think this is awesome. And I wouldn't even say a great problem. You know, you always know, hear the term, oh, it's a great problem to have. I don't even see it as anything that should be... Yeah, yeah anything other than just like a flawless way to play the style of basketball that Kenny Atkinson wants to play. And, and this offense has never been predicated on being point guard dominant or one guy handling the basketball. And I- think we've seen throughout the course of how they're running the offense. I mean, there's times Joe Harris is bringing the ball up the floor. You know, sometimes it's, it's by necessity, but running up to Alan Crabb, bringing the ball up the floor. Um, so I think that the great thing is, Russell, obviously, Lavert and Woody play so well with the ball in their hands, but all these guys play so well off the ball. And more so when you run into situations, I think when you got, you know, a couple point guards or maybe truer point guards, and I think D'Angelo Russell really is a true point guard, but the situation for coaches is, okay, how, how do we match up against him you know, defensively? Because they got a guy who's, you know, six foot or six one or six two, and so he may not be able to switch to, to a, you know, off guard position or guard a wing. You got guys that are, 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", who can all obviously guard point guards. They can guard the wing. It's not like you're losing a lot of height and size. And so I think the versatility that they bring of who they can defend on the other end is what makes it so uh, not easy. And it, it's not easy necessarily to see who has been well. And, and the bench of the Nets is what's really been an advantage for them against so many teams, a lot of games they've been able to win. Um, the way Karis Lavert is playing, Joe Harris, or you can go down the line. But I think not. The teams don't always have that strong of a ball handler, someone that can create plays for themselves and for their teammates in the second unit. So now they got that both in the starting lineup and in the second unit. And I think, you know, it's going to probably be a night by night basis. But I think that just is such a, you know, a big bonus for the Nets to have in ways that they can continue to have their bench take advantage of other teams' second units.
0: Well, and like ultimately a big question around this team is what are they going to do with Spencer Dinwiddie? So we already are talking about him getting a, a contract in two years, right? So, and then there's the natural progression. If he gets a contract and D'Angelo will probably get a contract and Levert at the year year after they're in the free agency market. Um, do you ultimately believe what Marx is saying in terms of that? They really do want to sign their own players and sort of have continuity. Do you think they want to try to build this Really long term, or are they still kind of is Mark still looking to make not necessarily to trade uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, but to make deals? He's still thinking of flipping players in a way, or is it to build the long term continuity? What do you think matters most to this team?
3: Your your guess is as good as mine on this one. And I think, <laughs> I think, um, you know, that's something that I'm, you know, I, I'm someone who doesn't always speculate as much on, on what they're going to do or try to do, but more is just very interested and fascinated to see what happens and what they think, um, is going to be the right move. And, in you know, I'm not sure. I think that's the situation. I think it's so hard to try and speculate with trades or acquiring assets of, of what's most important. I think, you know, what I have seen is that Sean Marks has been so creative in the moves that he's made. Um, and he's also, obviously putting in so much study and homework on different guys and not only about the type of players they are, um, the type of potential that they have, but also their character. And are they good locker room guys? And are they going to fit into the culture of what they're trying to build with the Brooklyn Nets organization? And so, you know, I, I think that's something, again, I, I, I don't have a clue and um, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to go about it and I, but I'm excited to see what happened. You know, we got the trade deadline fast approaching. I'm excited to see, you know, do they make some moves and who are they looking at as guys that fit uh, into the future of how they want to play and the guys that they want around. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I wish I could uh, give you something good, but your guess is as good as mine and, and yeah. I'm just excited to see how they progress. And I think just credit to, you know, obviously the guy Sean Marks has brought in and what he's done and what he's seen out of these players and Kenny Atkinson and his coaching staff. I mean goodness gracious you can go down the list and down the roster of all the guys who are, you know, playing above what they came in at and how much they've grown their games and the confidence that they have on the floor. And that that's not something you see often um, amongst a whole roster and a lot of guys that you know are kind of piecing together different amounts of time on the court in different roles and it's really been special to see where this group has gotten to.
0: Yeah I think that is something to point out we're almost already spoiled by the fact that players actually are improving under Atkinson because most of the time in the NBA you don't really see it that rapidly you don't see it on this level because you can you, you can name I don't know seven players already this year who've improved from day one to where we are in the season now. If you could, what's what's different about what Atkinson is doing than maybe other coaches? Or what is it about him and his coaching staff that maybe is working, that is improving these guys at such a rapid rate? Because it is incredible, the number of I guys think, that are.
3: Yeah, there is. I think it's a variety of things. And I think it goes back to, I mean, one, so many of these players spent the entire summer I mean, the, the training facility in Brooklyn, that is is top-notch, and it's a place the guys want to be at. They want to work out at. They want to, you know, spend the whole day there because there's so many different amenities that allow them to work out and, um, you know, just get their bodies right and do so many correctives and things. And I think there's been so much emphasis since last season I think what the, the biggest jump has been this off season. So they've got all these guys coming in, holding each other accountable. You know, they didn't need to be there, but they wanted to be there. And they showed up and they worked throughout the entire summer. The coaching staff made themselves available. Kenny Atkinson, whenever guys wanted to come and work out. And, and these guys, you know, between the coaching staff being there and available to help at any time. But these players, you know, dedicating themselves to wanting to improve and get better. And, um, all of them just had monster summers in putting in the work on their skill wise and their body. So many have changed their diets. Um, the sports performance team in the Nets is, you know, hands down, in my opinion, I'm biased. they just the best in the league and how they're able to really relate with the players and look at a, a individual on a case-by-case basis of, of what do they need and how can they help them put their bodies in the best position to perform at the highest level and so they've been doing this since you know the end of last season and so then when they got into training camp they hit the ground running and, and this is you know something where the guys are understand the system better it's Kenny Atkinson's second year I think he's figuring out exactly you know the things he wants to implement with the guys and what works with practice time Um, in all of those little things of being dedicated to skill development and working on guys and how they play. And then I think at the end of the day, Kenny Atkinson puts in just as much work as these players do. And I think he shows them and Sean Marks does the same thing. The front office does it, that they care about these guys as more than just players. It's about people. It's about their families. Uh, It's about their wives, their kids, their girlfriends, making sure everyone is in an environment uh, that's fun and enjoyable and, That goes so far just in terms of, you know, it not just being about business, but also about caring about you as an individual. And so it makes you want to play for someone and want to get better. And I think there's a great camaraderie and a great chemistry with so many of these players, not just on the floor, but off the floor. They enjoy one another. And, you know, and we've all played on teams or, you know, just growing up or playing, whatever it is when you care about the person you know next to you when you're when you're trying to win a close ball game, it matters it matters that you you care about these people you're playing for these people playing for the coach the coach has trust in you he's instilled the confidence um and so i think you know all of that you combine it all together it just snowballs into players continuing to improve on a day-by-day basis and i think it's just um it, it seems like a natural thing like yeah of course that's how that's how it should be—it's professional sports, it's the NBA. Every organization should be like that, but, it, but it's not, um, it's not, you know, put together that way in every organization. I think that's why, you know, for Nets fans, for people in Brooklyn who are watching this team and seeing them grow, they are—they are headed in such a great direction. Um, and it's about the foundation. It's not just a a one season thing or a one time. This is a foundation they're laying, um, and I think hopefully that lends itself to. You know, these guys talking of free seeing it, and as years go by, being like, hey, th- this is a place we want to come to. We want to play for so many different reasons uh, because of what they put into it.
0: For you, so when you looked at the beginning of the season to where we are now, biggest surprise in terms of it could be this guy being really good at doing this, whether it be sort of uh, Rondé's scoring or Lavert's passing or just development in a one player overall throughout their entire game. Is there one thing that really has kind of stood out to you as like, wow, this person or thing that they're doing is something I did not expect from them this season?
3: Uh, I'm going to give you two things. And I think that we could, as we've talked about, every player, I mean, Tamari Carroll, how much he's just been playing spectacular and what he's shown offensively and defensively. And we we knew he would be a great veteran presence and a leader and an example, but just how productive he's been on both ends. Terrence Laverse has made huge jumps. Um, with his ball handling and passing skills and his score, you know, things like that. Spencer Dinwiddie, mm-hmm. of course, is, uh, you know, just so far ahead uh, of what we probably could have anticipated. But I feel like those are skills we have seen and known and guys playing above and beyond um, what some of the basic stuff that we saw flashes of them doing. I think two things stand out to me. Rondé Hollis Jefferson's jump shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the consistency that he's been hitting it, the confidence that he has, and to do it throughout the stretch. I know we're, uh, you know, whatever. Four? How how far are we into the season? Almost forty? Forty-five? Forty-nine? Forty-eight? 50
0: yeah, something like what? Are we, eight? They're eighteen and. But anyway, yeah. but,
3: but he's <laughs> been. Th- this isn't. This is this is real and. Um, and I love the way he started the season and those first week and two weeks and you know, the first ten games. It's like okay, he's he's knocking down shots and uh in the back of your mind you're like, Wow that's wow, wow. He knocked it. and now it's like, no, this is this has become who he is and he's even been I thought one of the coolest things to see in that Detroit game. Russell was coming off the of two games where, you know, the San Antonio game and the Miami game, he was fine and he did some of the little stuff, but it wasn't you know, he struggled a little bit with his shot. He was, you know, not making some layups that we see him make. And, and those might be situations where, you know, it gets in his head and all. He came out, and he was spectacular uh, in the game against Detroit in the win. And I think he just like, he just really has shown such a growth in his maturity um, and the confidence that he has. But I think his, his shot, to me, um, in the improvements and how it looks mechanically is something that I did not anticipate. Um, seeing on such a consistent basis, and that has been just great to watch. And then the one other thing has been Joe Harris. Mm -hmm. I think he is one of the most underrated, most valuable players on this team because of his consistency. Um, Shooting, of course, we knew he was a knockdown three-point shooter, but the way that he's shown an ability to put the ball on the floor, to move without the ball offensively, just scoring in so many different ways and doing it Yeah. On a consistent basis, that's always the toughest thing for guys, and when they're trying to find their way and, and establish themselves in the league in the consistency. And he has been consistent the whole season in his defense. Uh, and he was a guy who, at times, felt like towards the you know end of games or different situations, you know, he was a guy who Kenny Atkins had to look at and he wanted them for the offense. But do we keep him in there on the defensive end? And this season, he, he's been fantastic defensively, and he's figured out. You know, angles and how, how to work in, in terms of staying in front of guys one on one. He's been tough. He's strong. Um, he brings a physical presence. And I just, I, I think he's someone who we don't always talk about a lot, but he does so many little things, uh, within the terms of this team finding ways to win or giving themselves an opportunity and position to win in close games against some of those top teams. Um, that has really jumped out. It is one of the, the coolest things to see it this early part of the
0: season all right well thank you so much for joining us sarah really appreciate it uh you can obviously catch sarah on yes oh Network. you guys
3: thank you <laughs> thank you for having me i so appreciate it yeah thank you I'm so always, much uh, i'm always checking your stuff out so thank you oh i appreciate right.
1: that thanks sarah and we're back so we can uh we can do this we can we can do some email oh let's
0: yeah that's a great idea let's do that
1: first come the listeners sorry sorry emailers first come the listeners or the voicemails preference preference that's the thing we like most so everybody
0: what's up blue guys
2: this is Devin uh I'm a Laker fan and I have Nets fan and I've watched every Laker game this year and they're not really a fun team to watch don't believe all the media and all the Lonzo hype this is a bad team okay but I can't understand or even come to realize that Nets fans have been watching Brooke Lopez all these years be their number one scorer he has been awful for the Lakers I mean there's some games he gets hot from 3 and goes 5 for 8 and then there's other games where he has 3 rebounds and 6 points in 15 minutes like he has been an absolute disaster <laughs> and if it wasn't for Kuzma who the Lakers most likely would have had anyway then that D'Angelo Russell trade <clears throat> looks so bad. Cause I don't think they're gonna get any free agents personally. They're at what, the fourth worst team in the NBA. I don't know a free agent that would go to that. So, just I just don't understand how you guys <laughs> have watched Brooke Lopez all these it's years. A fair, it's a fair question. You
1: guys, I
0: love that. Um, so. Sorry,
1: uh, no, we apologize to you. Um, that's a funny question. Um, and I will say this, like obviously, well actually, I'll tell you what, you know what's really interesting is that uh, your boy Lou Estevez hey. sent us this email. I'm only going to play part of it. Sorry, Lou, but I uh, love you. And I loved your other email. He sent me a pretty long, long one that was really heartfelt, and I love that stuff so much. It it just tickles me um, and pulls on my heartstrings. So here's, here's Lou in response to Devin.
2: Men of glue, my adhesive brothers. What's up? Mm. It is Lou Estevez just leaving a message, uh, for a possible discussion point. Uh, basically, uh, it deals with free agency and, uh, a name from a bygone era, Brooke Lopez. Uh, What are your thoughts? Uh, I know I'm clouded in all this nostalgic, good feeling and wonderful vibes from what he's done for our team in the past. And he doesn't fit the mold of our team of a BLT type center, which, is a term that i think is amazing uh, it's one of the greatest things Thanks, i've heard from you guys it's, it's fantastic it's but, not you guys it was me uh it looks like the lakers <laughs> are rumored to be heavily pursuing two max contract players and the rumors are from like uh george and cousins to george and lebron to who knows what uh so it, if they I'm gonna
1: cut you off here Lou sorry about that but I so
0: appreciate (laughs) it like you so much Lou that we're gonna cut off your words
1: um (laughs) so so there you go there's the dichotomy right um Brooke Lopez nostalgia where does it come from is it a thing should it exist are we are we blinded by an era of bad basketball in which we had this one guy who is like a 21 point per game dude um well, I don't know. I don't know how to how to quite answer this. Obviously, he's having a bad season in L.A., so we shouldn't take. Yeah, he's that. having a really bad season, which I'm happy about because I do think
0: that makes it more likely that he could come back to this team and be part of this team.
1: See, I just do not want see that? that? I don't. I don't want it for anybody. I think it's like um, we have to say goodbye to our past lovers. It's like if you're yeah, like you got a. It's like you know, you divorced him and you, get, you bring him back, and then it's like. Um, you'd be demoted, right? Like, probably you're not going to get as many minutes. You're not going to be a centerpiece of the offense like you once were. Like, it would just be an awkward fit emotionally. Like, oh, I'm back, but I'm, like, plan D now versus plan A. Um, like, sad. that's sad. Um, right. And, um, and, yeah, I think it would just, like, be kind of confusing. I also just don't think – look, this kind of, this is kind of a conversation we used to have back in 2014. Um, when, (laughs) (laughs) when he went down, um, for the season and we had, we started to play a lot better with this, is the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce year. And we often talk about our personal basketball philosophy on this front, which is that back to the back back to the basket post players. Um, that's a low or high floor, low ceiling way to play basketball, right? Like you can, you can, it's a, it's a good consistent way to score points, but do the pros outweigh the cons and so on and so forth. And can you, you know, it's reliable, but is it reliable in a, in an effective way? Um, and that's always going to be the thing with that guy until he adapts his game to being just pure three point shooting BLT dude. Um, and that would be like the way that's sad because he's basically like he was a beautiful offensive player, and that era of basketball just like he was there when it just came and went you know it was there in the beginning and now it's gone um and so that's that's difficult i'm sure to to adapt one's game for and and to like kind of identify that you need to take a a a smaller role on any offense you're you're the the trailer three you know big man now um you're the uh, Mehmet Okur I know what's his name oh, Yeah that's yeah. exactly right <laughs> yeah. I just
0: I uh, Because Just remembering him And playing basketball And yeah. his sort of His look out there For the jazz yes. Right
1: so, so that's what you are now um, Who would also He would have been Super valuable now In the NBA Right Okur totally. was yeah, it was in it. Um, so that's my hot take on it. As for like what what it was like to watch him, like he, you got to take into consideration this is a team that never had a draft pick pan out like ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. was, I can't really, I can't really remember outside of Brook Lopez who of our homegrown picks turned into a all star. Your, your
0: eyes are bouncing back and forth yeah. off the top of your head, trying to figure out is there the one Rolodex. name? <laughs> is there one name like Boyan Bogdanovich? Yeah, is like. The second best draft pick of a certain era. Uh, I mean, Ron. Uh, not like still, let's say the line of deniliations when Marx took over. So Rondé has now been a good pick, but now Rondé is that was a Mark that was a Billy King pick, right? Yeah, and he's been in the Marx Atkinson system of development, right? So I don't know who you can really credit for, even though Billy King's in front of the pod.
1: So he's a precious, <laughs> a precious little gem that we had. Like that was our only thing. We had you know, an, you know, ten years of Antoine Wrights and and. Um, that whoever else didn't like Z- Zoran Planaish, an and, uh, and so we had we had one draft pick that like really fully worked out, and so it was, it was our like, guy. And, and like before that, it was Richard Jefferson, right? Right, Richard Jefferson. And, but
0: that was that was still a long time ago. Yeah, that
1: was I, I wouldn't Is consider a, those because that was
0: a draft day trade, right? It was a
1: draft day trade, but I would consider him like a draft pick. That's because, a draft. Pick. I consider
0: yeah. those draft picks. Yes.
1: So yeah, okay. So good. So Richard Jefferson's probably one. The other Brooke one. Brook Lopez, two. Yeah. Like Derek Coleman, I can't like like we're <laughs> <that's> <laughs> how far we have to go back before? Yeah, I think I'm trying to look. Kenny Anderson was he? A, he was a draft pick, right? Yeah. Um. So what's the? So sorry to tie a bow on it. That's we have a special feeling because I was our only little guy that was doing that. What is going on in that truck right there? Oh wow! Never mind. He just like disappeared. <laughs> wow, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> Ryan so- is
0: staring out the window at a.
1: Uh, co- cable company's truck Is that what you're looking yeah, at there's some guy Doing something odd With his hands um, Anyways <laughs> um, So yeah So that's our like Hot take on that And so Lou Estes Is obviously channeling That that feeling uh, That we all have And I'm sorry That I've monopolized This conversation I just you know these. I'm are, just here in the chair yeah. Listening <laughs> No but I, So I do think like Brooks
0: Brooks made a lot of money In his career So and I always wondered, He's always a different dude Right And making more money Is always a great thing I think ultimately He's just gonna sign With the Warriors and be their center and it's just going to devastate the NBA once again because him as a trailing three-point center on that team is Mm. just another level of devastation yeah I could see him being like a spur a warrior him saying I'm going to go to a good team with a good system that is going to win games and I'll pay I'll play for $5 $5 million a year, or whatever the cost it would take to be there.
1: I bet his advanced analytics on, like, the percentages of open shots versus non-open shots are, like, really heavily it makes open shots. Like, yes. I, I just kind of recall him never taking, and if, if he did take, not making many contested shots.
0: Well, like, the thing about him last year is was, he was awesome last year, and I think the most underrated player in the NBA. And this Lakers situation, while it's been talked a lot about LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball and you know, whether they're going to get LeBron, as was, was Devin, was the Lakers fan that was listening. Mm-hmm. Um, this situation is a complete disaster. I mean, yes, they may get LeBron and Paul George, so it'll all working out, but this is just exhibit F in a long-running line of things of saying, you can't just sign guys to one-year contracts, stick them with a bunch of young guys, and have them try to mesh together for some weird mutant season. Mm-hmm. They have Caldwell Pope and Lopez on one-year deals. They have Luau Dang, being on the outside looking in and being like, I hate all of you. I'm mad at all of you. Jordan Clarkson cannot be brought up in Lakers' land without being talked about as a trade asset. Brandon Ingram's just like, I still think we're all overrating him. I see the talent. I just see a lot of slump shoulders and not like not KD's game. And Lonzo, I think, is underrated, but yet also obviously with massive holes. And I don't know if you saw this, but Kuzma got called out by, I think he. Was benched essentially by Walton recently because he didn't play defense. Is that right? I didn't see that. The one little gem that they've had this season, Mm. which is Kuzma being awesome as a stretch four, he's kind of he got benched for a game basically because he didn't play defense. So this this is we're almost talking too much about the wrong thing about the Lakers, which is the Ball family, who you know I'm I'm in love with. I love all of them. They're all great, Mm -hmm. but just this is such a disaster. And if you're LeBron why do you want to go there for beyond the fact that yeah you may get to go have your kids get raised in brentwood which i guess is a nice area of los angeles i don't like i I don't really understand the pull to be there beyond the fact that like he can become more of a global icon than he already is that's the only thing i see and if you're trying to be the best basketball player ever that decision never works out yeah that thing to do that Never works out.
1: Devin has another good question too, but uh, it's, they're sent as a .dot mov and my my twenty teller Amazon fires just not having it. So uh, I'll just transcribe it. And um, what was it about? It was oh, it was about uh, Otto Porter and oh right. Sh- did Sean Marks dodge a bullet, uh, or did he, or should we trust John, Sean Marks um, when you incorporate the fact that he was about to offer Otto Porter a max contract? Um, and does that bode well for the future of his mech contract dealings? Um, your takes, Mike. You, you're an auto-porter guy. I think auto-porter would be awesome on the Nets. Yeah. So
0: think about it this way. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the Alan Crabb trade was after the auto-porter uh, signed contract by the Nets and then the, warrior, the Wizards accepted him back and decided, no, we're going to take auto-porter back. Then they made the trade for Alan Crabb. Pretty sure that's the only way it ha- how it worked. You'd rather have auto-porter right now than Alan Crabb. Right, and I also think Otto Porter on this Nets team would have been pretty awesome. I didn't want Otto Porter to begin with. I and mean, we had the discussion m- many times. I think how sad is that? Can mm. Tavius call a poor Otto Porter? We were b- both reaching for either or. Both I don't want. E- I didn't want either. Mm. But I think that contract would have been bad. But I'd, I don't think it would have been a disaster. And he would have been better on the Nets than he is on the Wizards, even though he plays with Bradley Beal and John Wall.
1: Yeah. Um, he would have been really a, a particularly good fit in place of Alan Crab. I would say. Um, he's like he's way bigger than he than he seems. Like, right. He's just a really, really long dude. Well, um, in crunch time, he would have been playing the four at, you yeah, know, right. Because exactly. what in the,
0: the Detroit game, we were playing Quincy AC at the five. Yeah. And I was so close to tweeting. I can't tell you this. I was so close to tweeting saying Kenny Atkinson needs to take Quincy AC out of there and put a center in because we were getting mauled down low. We, uh, you know, Drummond <laughs> got a shot on us. Every shot the Stanley Johnson shot, they were all inside the paint, off of rebounds. And I was like, we have to just defensively, offense, defense. Please just put in a center. I didn't say it, mm-hmm. and we won the game. So I give us credit.
1: I give myself credit Nicely done. for winning that game. Nicely done. Um, next up, your Boy Exon Gashi. Hey, glue guys. Uh, Long time listener, first time submitting a question. Um, my question is about Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Um, we've talked a lot, or you've talked a lot on the podcast about the need for a stretch four. Um, an Aaron Gordon type, a Jabari Parker type, so I'm wondering if we're able to pull something like that off what happens to RHJ with his rapid development, does it make sense to move him to the bench Um, I don't think he can thrive as a three and he's kind of a tweener, so I'm curious what do you think the future holds for RHJ um, on this Brooklyn team Um,
0: so I love him, we talked earlier that he's a four now, right, he's a power forward, blah blah blah, I love him more at The three now that his jump shot is working Because here's the thing If you get a stretch four That means that Rondé's three-point shooting Lack of three-point shooting will matter less If you get a true stretch four So if you get a guy who can actually hit 36% from three as a power forward type And actually guard fours Unlike Rondé Then Rondé's lack of shooting from three Just doesn't matter as much I would like Ronde to shift back to 3 if possible if they could get a big stretch 4. And defensively, he's going to be even better. The fact that he's not going to have to guard, you know, super tall dudes like Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, that was just so ridiculous in the Knicks game that he was yeah. guarding Kristaps. I mean, that's what that's the matchup. That's what was happening, but
1: Right. So I think like ideally you want him to be playing offense against a 4 and playing defense against a 3. Like however you can manage to work that. Um, so I think like if you do land a Jabari Parker or something like that, that immediately becomes your starting four, um, and you're bringing in and and Randy's not part of whatever that package was. Um, he unfortunately does get demoted, right? I mean, presumably like, over the course of a long enough period of time, right? Or if you go, who was the other person he named? It's Jabari, and what was the other one? Um, I don't know, Aaron Gordon, maybe. Aaron Gordon. Right. So presumably he would he would not be starting over them. I mean, I don't know. Is that is that a crazy? Well, ultimately, thought? ultimately, I think it would be
0: something like.
1: Now, this is a weird lineup,
0: but it'd be like D'Angelo Dinwiddie, Aaron Gordon, Rondé, and Jared Allen. Because ult- I think I still yeah. I do believe that Jared Allen's going to start after the trade deadline when they trade. Zeller. I think they're going to trade Zeller, and
1: it's going to be so interesting to Allen. see because I think also in, on this team too, like I think the the way that like a minutes distribution will work in a like fully matured whatever like optimized Kenny Atkinson team. Generally, like a person that's seventh or eighth off the bench, bench may play more minutes than a lot of the starters. Like I, yes. I, there's so much overlap in skills, and they're really kind of just playing to fit on tweaking very fine details. Um, so, like even if ronde Hollis Jefferson is the person that's that's like demoted, or whatever, I don't think that that would necessarily impact his minutes distribution that much. Um, I guess would be my my hot take um but he's yeah he's like a special fit he's guards threes plays offense against fours so wherever that makes the most sense and that's going to be like kind of the best part about watching this in the future is that it seems to be we're just going to be playing against matchups and and like being able to like fine-tune these things like we still don't quite have the horses necessary to play the the fully optimized version of this but we're getting kind of close like way, way you know way before schedule we're kind of getting kind of close I mean, and the, the two spots where you kind of want to see
0: the big changes, the stretch four. Yeah. And you want Jared Allen to be better because you do want to center in at parts of the game. And he's still not quite there yet completely. And you can't really play him at the end of the game because you can't really rely on someone who, beyond dunking the ball, can't do much with it. Um, and again, I think so. Again, We keep saying, you know, like Rondé is a power forward. But. He will benefit if he plays next to a taller dude as a power forward who can shoot the ball. Like if Ronde's the three. And if his jump shot will be better against guys who are shorter than typical power forwards, which is who's getting matched up against. Um so I I, I love I don't think I don't think there's anything like if they got a Jabari Parker, I'm thinking of even someone a little bit taller. Um if they got someone like that and put him next to Ronde and Ronde's now your three. Yeah, your three is a worse shooter, but your four is a way better shooter. So on balance
1: in your starting lineup, you'll be but fine. Who goes? Is it then Crab? Alan Crabs to the bench. Crab, Crabs always. It seems like in every scenario we want Krabs to go to the bench. <laughs> this has been really <laughs> dense, Mike. My head is spinning with all this Nets talk. What's going on? What's going on in your life? What's going on in my life? Yeah. Oh. You seem pretty um, like chill, chill out right now. Yeah, I know. Mean, this does, this does,
0: chair is like I do think there's something about. Um, so we interviewed Sarah and like Brian's in a desk chair sitting yeah. up and being intensive and i'm in like a lounge chair right now i just think there's i think the chair matters more in an interview than you can think of right yes totally like when you watch tv shows there's interview chat tv shows um the set and sort of where people are positioned and facing each other matters i was actually listening to a podcast about pti and they literally talked about one of the key parts of that show is that they set the chairs in a way that the guys are facing each other but yet they're also presentable for TV. Typically on TV, it always had been sort of that straight line mm-hmm. and people are talking out of camera. And you know, how actually, how most ESPN shows are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The chairs are facing each other. There's an angle at each other. Mm-hmm. And that that creates better conversation than like if we were just sitting straight shoulder to shoulder. Like I'd be looking over. To yeah, I want to sit
1: like stadium seating with you. Like I just want to be like <laughs> behind, behind, directly behind you. And higher.
0: Uh, we have a very exciting segment coming up that we will do, Brian. Not this not this show, but another I, show. You act
1: like I'm not excited to do it. I am. I just thought it would be a bad fit for, like, Syracuse to yeah, come on the show and yeah. then we, <laughs> we roll out this wack, wacky ratings. segment.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's What's your intro that you want to do? You want to do it to a song?
1: Uh, final countdown, I yeah, think? Yeah, the final countdown. I was thinking this, you know, it remains to be seen, though. I you know hate to get everyone's hopes up and then... But this is going to be an
0: interactive experience. So what we're going to be doing is... Well, power rankings of things that aren't really have to do anything about basketball. And we want you guys to get involved and tweet at us when we do them. You'll hear them. Our first one coming up will be uh, only seen on TV items. The most the ones you desire the most. Yeah. Um, so for me, just like off the top, I want the one, you know, like the black seal one where it's like a spray paint can and it seals up any
1: leak. That guy was like, I just cut a boat in half. I just need that. That's the thing I need. I do break stuff all the time. I'm a pretty disastrous human being, so I could probably use that. It's mostly exp- – I, I dropped a laptop in the bathtub. Like, <laughs> I know, this is bad. A wet bathtub? <laughs> a, the drain had got, of course, was plugged, and <laughs> but not my doing. And, I, Anyways, it's a long story, but it's, it was my – Did my, you spray it with that sealant? Then I sprayed it with the sealant and it worked fine. It worked great. Just kidding. It was broken forever. <laughs> What's, who, who sings Break Some Stuff Tonight? Or Is that Limp, Limp Biscuit? That's my ace in the hole uh, karaoke song. Would you say Fred Durst is top four podcast guests that we want to have? Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure. All right. Let's get back. <laughs> let's get back into it. Um, next up is... Wait. I can do some proper um, John Cena's for these now because these are... That's. I think that's how we should do it. Cena's for emailers. No Cena's for voicemailers. Yes. I think that's the way it's got to be done. Next up... Oh, my God. The Amazon Fire is not having it today. Next up, cheer boy, Tim. I'm in a Tim McGovern. Tim, I am sorry. Tim, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on with the Amazon Fire today. It is not having it. It's not on fire. No. <laughs> Brian, did you like my intro to Sarah Kustak with Who Am I? How did you feel while it was happening? I think you know that I, I feel pretty embarrassed pretty easily i'm not maybe not as easily as you but i feel i was embarrassed. i was on the edge the entire time but luckily you kind of pulled it off nicely like if if oh. you yeah no if you had you hadn't if you if you weren't you mike um anyways <laughs> so tim thanks for hitting us up Netspod pod at gmail.com Ugh, man i'm disastrous right now um so he's talking about crunch time lineups mm. crunch time lineups um and so I call them pringles um, Do you get that? It's a, it's a long email. I'm not going to read it all verbatim. Thank you, Tim. Uh, he's a first-time long-time, too, which we love. We always love those. But, okay, Levert versus, Clu- versus Crab. Levert has won me over a little with his ability to dribble, penetrate, and create. Crab can obviously knock down the three and plays better D than people give him credit for. So, um, crunch time, for me, I think this is an obvious... If we're going to, with the dichotomy of Levert v. Crab, I think Levert wins that out for me. Personally, I give playmaking a big boost over shot making in any crunch time scenario fair
0: yes and it's sort of like the not that Lavert is anything really like Giannis Antetokounmpo but Giannis can't shoot threes but what he does have the ability to do is it's like the thing where like if guys play six feet off of you because Lavert's not really getting covered tightly along the three-point line Lavert has the ability to then just drive to the hoop and with his long arms and his length score around the bucket That's like so. That's sort of the problem with guys playing off guys who aren't shooters. Teams are doing that to LeVert. They're not playing tight on him. So then he just takes his big old arms, drives to the hoop, and throws up the ball, and it tends to go in, or he gets fouled. Mm -hmm. I'm loving. So what I'm also really loving is I know D'Lo's been back barely, and we've barely seen anything. It's sort of ridiculous to have too much analysis about what that means for the team, Mm -hmm. but I'm already seeing LeVert like. Shading his game a little bit and handling being with another ball handler because he was backup point guard and now he's the non backup point guard. Right. And I'm already seeing him sort of like handle. There's a couple of plays in the Detroit game where Delo started with a ball. D'Lo got double teamed. Delo got pressured and he threw the ball to Levert and then Lavert made a play off of that. Mm-hmm. And if he can make that switch from primary to secondary and be as effective, that is huge. For the Nets, Brian. Yeah. And huge for like this big problem that we all worry about that we talked about with Sarah is that you know, what are they gonna do? Who's gonna handle the ball and who's gonna be the point guard?
1: Um, Everybody, everybody's the point guard. Um, and then also he goes R H J versus AC in crunch time. Um I think I think <laughs> Okay, AC's better than I think AC's been I, I don't think it's obvious. I think you're gonna be like, you know, R H J all the way, but AC is playing better than than earlier in the year. I think people need to recognize that. Look, it's it's. Um, he made some
0: big shots. It's an interesting Miami and Detroit.
1: It's an interesting juxtaposition because they're both flawed players, right? In some ways, yes. But are there? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but so, are, like, run out Like, is is taking and making threes occasionally? I wouldn't trust him to do it over Quincy Acey. And if if you're like, if you need a dude to bang, uh, you know, down low, late in the game. I think you go Quincy AC and then you add the extra benefit of the floor spacing. I can see that particular set of skills benefiting you slightly more than Ronde Hell than RHJ's just pure hustle mid-range game. Um, they're both frantic, they're both kind of doing similar things but in in you know a, just a different way. In a different part of the court. Right,
0: different part of the court. Um, Also, D'Angelo Russell Instagrammed a picture with Quincy Acey and said he looks like Leonard Fournette, the running back for the Jags, Mm. and they are spot on twins. So check that out.
1: Okay, next up is. Cheer boy! (laughs) Luis Torres! Thank you, Luis, um, and everybody else who writes in. We love you guys so much. Luis, haven't heard from you in a, while. in a little while. Dude, what's going on? The wheels are falling off here. With Zeller, Okafor, Jared Allen, and pump fake drive to the hole turnover AC playing more. They're <laughs> more <You're> so mean. <laughs> the 4-5. Do you think Rondé can now defend his weight class? Um, I yes. Of, I kind of. What does that mean?
0: Meaning, does he get to guard threes? again yes ronde's allowed to guard threes again but he's still the power forward for this team unfortunately i mean not unfortunately but that's sort of the the situation that we're in i don't love like too much of um, ronde at the three with those type of players i'd rather if they had a true stretch four great guy type that's who I want Ron to be Did you too. respond
1: to Sean Goodfriend on, <laughs> in yeah, an email? Oh yeah. my god. So
0: tell people what that was.
1: Um, so your boy Sean Goodfriend, um, shout out to your boy sent us over a trade thing. I didn't even see this. This is hilarious. Was it? So,
0: so okay, this is what we appreciate. Now, people, it's catching on. If you're going <laughs> to criticize a trade proposal, send back another one. Sean sent us one. And he what did he say? It was something like, uh, it almost doesn't even matter. Is it something to do with
1: a Cavs 2020 pick, possibly unprotected.
0: Yeah, Cavs 20. it would be like you. the Nets give the Cavs Spencer Dinwiddie, the Nets take back Jose Calderon, they also get the Cavs pick this year, the Cavs pick this year, not the Nets mm. pick back, but the Cavs pick this year, and a Cavs 2020 unprotected. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm all about spreading out information, so I told Sean, unfortunately, the Cavs cannot trade their 2020 pick because they technically still owe it to the Hawks for the Kyle Korver trade. So I'm just trying to spread the, the trade game discussion. By the way, uh, some news coming in. Not official yet, but um, the Trailblazers are talking about trying to get DeAndre Jordan. Uh,
1: mm. That
0: is a discussion happening. And also, Kawhi Leonard has been distant from the Spurs during rehab. That's your news around the league. <laughs> <laughs> you like that's a new way. Not way I'm going to do it. Yeah.
1: Just headlines. <laughs> uh, no analysis, just headlines. Tidy. Um. All right, well, what do you want to do? That's. I mean, I think that's all the news that's fit to print. Um, if I didn't get to your emails, I'm sorry. Um, I'll get to you next time, I'm sure. This is exciting point for the Nets.
0: And so you look at their schedule, their schedule is harder than you want it to be. You want it to be like just a bunch of easy Hawks-level games, a bunch of bad West Coast teams, but they're playing some pretty good teams coming up. Um, but they've won two in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer did what he said in big shots. D'Lo is back. That actually is going to help out Alan Crabb a lot because there's just he doesn't not going to have as much of a glaring spotlight on his play. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to elevate his game a little bit. Okafor is getting minutes that are somewhat productive some of the time. Um, hopefully, if they can slap a few wins together, as Sarah said playoffs are not completely out of the realm of possibility <clears throat> what's the current record 18 and 24 they're like six games out of the eighth spot mm-hmm. there's just a lot of teams between like so there's like a, they're in this whole jumbled mess that even mm. um six games isn't impossible dude it's just the, the Nets are it. back dog <laughs> that's
1: right come on boy all right let's get us out of here mike
0: um Nets at Gmail for your emails uh and voicemails we love them we need them thank you Give us a rating, five stars on iTunes. If you don't, I don't That's want to it. ever hear from you That's again. It. That is it. We are unsubscribing Curtains. you. We're going into your phone and unsubscribing you from our podcast. Thank you, Sarah Kustak, for joining us. Yes, Network, to to hear more from Sarah. I'm sure
1: they're going to get a big bump in ratings after her being on the pod. Brian? Nets Daily, Almighty Baller, what else? Anything else? That's it. Let's get out of here, Doug. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Yeah
3: boy